Welcome to Coworking with Iris, a podcast exploring stories and insights with the people behind the movement. In this episode, I speak with Catherine Chestnut, the founder and chief community officer of Alkaloid Networks and the founder of the Atlanta Coworking Alliance. I had a delightful conversation with Catherine. She's really personable. And I found that she just lives and breathes co-working in this really organic way. We talked about becoming profitable in her first few months, why you need a marketing plan, her experience as a female entrepreneur in the co-working movement, and her experience launching the Atlanta Co-working Alliance. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Let's dive in. Hello, Catherine, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Iris. Yes, it's great to have you. I've been very excited about this interview with you. So tell us about yourself. What is your co-working story? Well, my co-working story started off kind of as like an accident. Um, I needed a small office. Uh, I wanted something near my home on the Atlanta Beltline, and I found this historic 130-year-old cotton mill warehouse, and it was bigger than what I needed, and I very cavalierly said, oh, hey, I'll just make the extra space co-working and cover my costs and have a cool place to work, and so I made the office experience the way I wanted it to be, and apparently other people did too, so I expanded six months later, and then I expanded again eight months after that, and I expanded again 10 months after that. (laughs) So that apparently was was working for not just me. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It's so organic and stumble upon. I feel like some of the best coloring stories are those quote-unquote stumble upon. So given that you knew when you saw this warehouse about the concept of co-working where had you already heard about it there were a couple places here in atlanta that i had been to um one of which is no longer unfortunately and one of which outgrew their location and moved to the west side of town with a space that's enormous so i had been to those two places i didn't really know a whole lot about co-working in fact probably knew about this much other than just going and working in one a couple times. So that was, that's what I knew about co-working. But when I opened and within two months I was full, that was when I was like, oh wow, this is a thing. I better put on my marketing hat because that's my background, right? And off I went. Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, so you opened in 2015, and you know, from my perspective, that's really a great time because there's just a vast amount of information available to you as an emerging operator out there in the co-working world. What, if anything, did you find lacking in information about opening and running a space? Um, honestly, there was there were places where I could get information. Um, I think the thing that was lacking the most was success stories. Um, There was a whole lot of information out there that was very 
discouraging um, about opening a space um, that hmm. most aren't profitable and you're not going to be profitable within a couple of years. And I was profitable within a couple months. And mm-hmm. I'm sure my location helps a lot with that. But that I would say that the information that I found was pretty discouraging on the whole. Wow. I have never thought of that. <laughs> I've just, I mean, co-working has been such a a beautiful experience for me to be part of and, you know, an encouraging community to be part of that I've, I haven't ever seen or thought of that sort of discouraging side of the coin. Um, do you feel like it's still discouraging or do you feel like there's our success stories? And of course we want to talk beyond we work in terms of success stories, right? Um, yeah. You know, do you, do you feel that it's still this sort of that same climate climate from the stories or do you feel like that's changed? Um, I do feel like that's changed to some degree. There's a lot more, there's a lot more information about um, financial and how to look at your space and how to um, ensure profitability um, than then I think that there was even five years ago. Uh, so mm-hmm. I feel like that's definitely, that's definitely improved since then. Okay. Well, I'm tempted to title this episode, A Coworking Success Story. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that. Um, what can you tell us, uh, you know, about your coworking journey that you feel like was probably one of the key factors in your success? Get a great location. <laughs> <laughs> and so what makes your location great? Tell us a little bit more about that. Um, it's right on the Atlanta Beltline, which if you're in Atlanta, you can't not know about it. Um, and the area that I have that I'm located is close to my home, but it's, it's, and I hate to use the G word, but it's very much gentrified, um, right. in the last, you know, five to 10 years, it's hugely, it's still changing overnight. And, um, because it's a very desirable part of town to live in. And when the Atlanta Beltline opened, it was packed from before it was actually officially opened, which just told me that it was a huge void that was missing in the city that people wanted this outdoor space to be able to go and be outside um, and not just be in Piedmont Park or, or what have you. So I think in this particular case, having a location where there's a lot of people um, and there's a lot of foot traffic that goes by and there's a lot of restaurants, there's a lot of things around here that people want to participate in. So that really helped me from the get-go. Um, I didn't pick the space thinking I was going to open a co-working space. I picked it because it was where I wanted to work, but that served me well, clearly. Right. And do you know what the walkability index for your, for that neighborhood is? I mean, Jim? 91%. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's really high. 
<laughs> yeah, that's one of the first questions I always ask potential clients, you know, is what is that? What is the walkability score for, for this particular area? And I'm always surprised at the people who haven't looked into that yet. Um, so pro tip, if you're considering opening a co-working space and you're listening to us today, two things that you should know are to scan the local neighborhood and the surrounding blocks and look at the local coffee shops. And if there aren't any, that's a good indicator that it might not be a good place to be. But if there are and there's a bunch of people on laptops, that's a good indicator that it could be a good place to be. And then second of all, you need a walkable neighborhood. Of course, there's plenty of suburban co-working opening in different places, um, but you need to be ready to open a suburban co-working space. So if you're opening a co-working space, in a neighborhood or in an urban area, you do need to, your neighborhood to be walkable. So we can talk more about that on another podcast. Um, so Catherine, what advice would you have for people today who are sort of co-working curious, you know, thinking about getting into the quote unquote industry and considering opening a space, um, you know, what, what thing would you tell them that they should walk away from this podcast with as sort of the golden nugget? <laughs> Well, I would say two things. The first one is why. Why do you want to open a co-working space? Um, I wasn't planning to open a co-working space, so I didn't ask myself that question. But if I was going to, and I've asked myself that question about, you know, considering, you know, expanding, things like that, why? Why do I want to do it? Am I... Am I doing it because I love meeting people um, and or am I doing it because I want to make money? Because if you're doing it because you want to make money, no, I'm not saying that you can't make money. I'm saying like that's not, you know, that shouldn't be your driver. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other big thing is do your homework. And Iris, you know, you have heard me say this plenty of times. Do a marketing plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do a marketing plan it doesn't have to be complex um it can be super simple it can be like four pages but it, the information that's in it is really going to help you hone in on what's important and what your key messaging is going to be uh, you need to do that you've got to do that mm, i love says, it i love both says, <laughs> yeah, says, says the professional marketer who right <laughs> I don't, totally. I don't I want mean, to say I don't do anything without a marketing plan because I do, but in this case, if you're going to run a business, I suggest a marketing plan highly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love this for two reasons. I, you know, the why, that's a, another question I always ask the clients almost immediately. Why, tell me why you decided to get into co-working. And um, I'll just say it, if, you're, if your goal is money, like run away. <laughs> Go find something else that's easy to do for the money because this one is not. Um, sure, there's money to be made in co-working, but it is not for a while. Um, and ultimately, the amount of energy that you need to put into it is, you know, it's if you're looking for a, a quick ROI, this just is this is not it. <laughs> there has to be a deeper reason to open a co-working space. But, you know, I, I mean, how do you write a marketing plan? What does that even mean? I don't even know what a marketing plan starts out with, you know, I mean, I've followed marketing plans and I have a lot of thoughts in my head about great ways to market a co-working space, but 
I feel like we need to do a whole podcast on how to build a marketing plan. So that seems like a pretty in-depth thing. But, uh, you know, in, in lieu of talking about that completely today, what's the most important thing you need to think about when building your marketing plan? Um, well, and just for the record, I teach day-long sessions on how to rock, write a marketing plan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be a really long podcast when we do it together. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we, we, can, we can distill it a bit. But um, I would say the most important thing to me is to understand who your target segments are. Who are your primary people that you're trying to reach? And just saying everybody ain't going to cut it because different spaces have different things. I mean, I have four very distinct customer personas or target segments. And two of them are the ones that I really want. And the other two are, if I get them great, if I don't, that's fine. But my messaging comes from that and it gets very clear very quickly um, because everything else is driven from that. I, I just finished uh, a new video with actually a production house that's in my co-working space. And I was very clear with them. I'm like, these are the two customer segments that are most important to me. And, you know, they needed to know that. Otherwise, who knows what I would have gotten back. So you need to know that. Yes. Yes, so crucial. <laughs> and you're right, but it's not everyone. You can throw the doors open and welcome everyone in and see who shows up, but it's you're you're not marketing to everyone when you're marketing your coworking space. So what was the most surprising thing that you found about running a coworking space and community? Well, so when I threw open my doors, what <laughs> I expected what I expected was uh, a lot of tech and a lot of creatives. That was what I expected. And what I got was everything under the sun. <laughs> I mean, I did get tech and creatives, but I also got lawyers and CPAs and chiropractors and naturopaths and soccer leagues. Um, and I also, 40% of my members are remote workers, mm. which I didn't expect that. I was ex like, I was expecting tech startups and creative and, and, and I just got everything. I had a philosophy professor for three years. Wow. <laughs> it, he was writing a book and he had toddlers. And so, you know, coming here was an escape yeah. and to actually get work done. But that's that was the most surprising thing for me and it also helped me to you know i i had a marketing plan and it was geared towards tech tech startups and creatives but i had to shift it right a marketing plan isn't something you write and that is static it's a living document and you have to adjust based on where your business and where your industry is going too Yes. <laughs> and sort of back to that, don't, you're, not, you're not targeting everyone, but everyone will show up. Um, so what, 
what about your experience as a female founder? How has this industry or this movement been for you as a female, you know, entrepreneur in the movement? Um, I would say 99% really awesomely great. Um, there are some people who think because you're a woman that you're a pushover and they will try and push you and male and female and they'll try and push you and say, Oh, can't you just give me that for less? Like, uh, no, I need to be profitable and you need me to be profitable. So you have a place to go. Um, it's very, it's, it's funny. Um, there's not very much of that, fortunately. Um, 99% of my members are super, super appreciative of everything that I do, even the ones that just sit in their corner with their headphones on and they, they don't smile. Like I'll walk by and I'll just smile at them. Hi, you know, and they're like, and, and then, and then he writes a review on Google that says, Catherine is the most fabulous, awesome, wonderful person. And I'm like, <laughs> Wow. Like, I had no idea. Um, I even had, I have one uh, group of guys who call me their den mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got that one a lot, actually. <laughs> but I'm super clear. Like, I'm not your mother, so put your dishes <laughs> yeah. in the dishwasher, okay? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I don't know that I want to be your mom. <laughs> is inclusive and welcoming to female entrepreneurs? Um, I would say yes, but on a, on a small scale. My experience has been is that a very large percentage of smaller independent spaces are owned um, and operated by women. Mm -hmm. And the larger corporate spaces tend to be more male centric. And I'm not saying that that's a, you know, global fact, but it tends to be what I've noticed. Um, and I don't know why. Um, it, maybe perhaps it's because, I don't know, I feel like co-working and building a community is more than just having free beer on tap at happy hour. <laughs> Or maybe it's because maybe it's because women in and again I don't want to generalize but maybe we get more joy from knowing people and see I know myself I get a lot of satisfaction of seeing my members be successful um, and even when they're really successful and then eventually they have to leave I'm like I'm really happy for them. I'm sad mm -hmm. to see them go because I won't get to see them every day, but mm -hmm. I'm really happy that I got to be a launching pad or a small part of their success. Or just if they're a remote worker, they, they're, it's someplace to come every day and have a smiling face or 10 looking at you. Right. <laughs> and I don't know that the, I'm not saying that the larger corporate spaces aren't like that, but that energy doesn't feel as prevalent at those types of places as it does at small independent spaces. Mm -hmm. 
And do you see financial um, availability as having anything to do with the fact that the majority of the funded big corporate, you know, multi-city companies are mostly male-owned with the exception of, you know, the wing and the riveter at this point? I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I can't say mm -hmm. that I have like a super strong opinion of it. I think my, I, if I wanted to expand, right, back to my why, if I wanted to expand, I'm sure I could build the business case for, um, you know, for a financial, you know, support from um, the Small Business Administration or from my bank or something like that. But again, the question is, why do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. And and I haven't come up with it. If I don't have a, if I don't say hell yes, then the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I, that's how I go. And that's a good philosophy on life. <laughs> yeah, if I'm, if I'm not feeling like I just want to spend every moment waking and sleeping, because I'll probably dream about it too, and be excited about, oh, I can't wait to go and do this, then, then I'm not going to bring the energy to it that it needs to really, truly be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that if you're not passionate, I mean, that's the thing. That's why, like, if your goal in this industry is to make money, if that's why you're opening a co-working space, maybe you've got a, some real estate and you think, you know, this co-working thing seems to be hot right now. Uh, I need to transition my real estate portfolio. I think I'll open some co-working. I mean, if you're not passionate about this business <laughs> model, and about actually helping people, it's gonna be difficult for you to make this work, you know? That's, that's the bottom line, because it takes, it's just, it's so multifaceted, and it's not rocket science, but it's not easy either. And um, so I really think, you know, if it's not hell yes, then it probably should be no. <laughs> I like that. I think you could make a sticker. <laughs> okay, maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> or a book, or that should be the title of the book you're writing on how to market your co how to open and market your co-working space. <laughs> I, well, so my book isn't about that, but when you write when yes. you were saying that it popped into my head, maybe that should be what my the name of my book that I'm working on. <laughs> I love it. Well, so do you have any specific advice for femme identified people, for women, for female entrepreneurs who are looking into opening a space at this point? Um, well, like I said before, it, it, it's the same for any business. I don't care if you're male or female, do a marketing plan, do your homework, <laughs> or you're gonna be, you're gonna be unhappy. But I think the the key key takeaways are understanding who your who your target segments are, and what is the messaging that they want to hear because they have different needs typically, right? I mean, my my two big ones are solopreneurs, small businesses, and remote workers, and they have two different kinds of messaging that they they have different care about. Um, I guess the other thing is think about who you want in your space and what kind of ex 
experience do they want from the space? Um, again, I wasn't thinking like that at first. I was thinking about the kind of space I wanted to work in. And luckily, mm -hmm. fortunately, I wasn't the only one that wanted to work in a space like that. And many of my members say, I love it here because it's comfortable and welcoming and cozy and friendly. And I'm like, that's where I want to work. So yeah. plus, plus you have a beautiful rock wall. I mean, like I couldn't <laughs> ask for a more beautiful background. <laughs> This is the craziest building. Every room is different. And this happens to be a really cool rock wall in one of the offices. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so let's switch gears a little bit because you've got a lot going on. You do a lot. I'm impressed. Um, so you're also really involved in the greater Atlanta co-working community, um, including having co-founded the Atlanta Co-working Alliance. Um, and I've kind of watched you through that process. You know, we've participated together in CATS Content Labs. Um, if you want to know more about that, go to coworkingcontent.co, I think, or catjohnson.co, but those are fabulous. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, you've, you know, you've, I've seen you kind of in your iterations and in your challenges and in your excitement around the, um, the Alliance in Atlanta. So tell us, Starting off, what led you to want to create the Alliance? Um, well, I didn't even know or even think about it until I went to Juicy three years ago, <clears throat> three years ago. And um, there was an award for like the best co-working <laughs> alliance. And I was like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. And so that was when I was first introduced to the concept. And I thought, why don't we have one in Atlanta? I mean, we're a big city. We should have an alliance. So that was, that was what started the whole thing. And it rolled around in my brain from then on. Awesome. Well, I love the website. I checked it out in prepping for this interview. And I, um, I was particularly impressed with the tags, the searchable tags. Um, that you offer um, to your spaces and to people who are looking into co-working. So what hurdles did you face in setting up that alliance, especially given that now I know it took three years <laughs> to well, make it go? I was, I was introduced to the concept three years ago, and I had it kind of in the back of my mind for a while. And then, you know, and then I had some personal stuff going on. Um, a couple years ago, and that kind of absorbed me for a while. Um, and then, and then I was like, okay, this needs to happen. Uh, I'm going to do it. I know what I want on the website. But beyond that, I had not a clue, no idea, didn't know how I should set it up. I was like, so I talked to Melissa Sauber with Kansas City um, Coworking Alliance. Um, and I researched other alliances around the globe to, to, and I'm like, okay, I like this piece. I'm going to take that. I like that piece. I'm going to take that. Um, but Melissa was the one that, that enlightened me to, oh, this should be a 501c6. I'm like, I didn't even know that existed. Mm -hmm. So then I had to, you know, 
go and do that. Um, and I just, and I started working, I've developed the content. Um, I started working on the content 10 months ago, um, gave it to my web designer. Um, he couldn't work on it for a couple months, one of my co-working members. Um, and finally got it, it finally launched in February. And then I was trying to get people to join. <laughs> right. <laughs> These are the hurdles and I got one, and coaching you through. I got, yeah. Yeah. So, but at, at some point I just was like, I'm just going, I'm just doing this. Mm -hmm. Damn the torpedoes. <laughs> and why do you think it's important to form or join a local alliance for a co-working space? Well, I think is I think especially independent operators, we tend to work in our own little bubble. Um, we're kind of like lone rangers in our own little part of town. And and we don't always know what is available to our members to help them. Um, or if we get a call and somebody, I just got a call today, somebody's looking for an event space for 50 people. Well, I don't have that, but guess what? I know who does because I've done my homework because one, and I, you know, I know who all the people in the Alliance are, but I also know most of the other spaces in town, but I think I might be unusual in that regard. So, you know, if one of my members is looking for something and I hear about it, I'll say, you know, if you go over to Marguerite's place, she's got that and she'll give you a discount because you're an alkaloid too. Right. Right. So I yeah, think I it's important that. that we, that we know each other and I don't see us as competitors. I see us mm -hmm. as we're all, you know, it's like Baskin Robbins, right? They don't just serve vanilla. They have 31 flavors. <laughs> and we have over 35 flavors of co-working by independent operators in Atlanta. So you can find a flavor that you like best. Yes. And I mean, the thing is, is that if you're doing co-working because you want to help people run their, you know, run their businesses better or have better lives or you have this passion around co-working, then chances are you have a really a community that is really diverse, right? And within that diverse community, 150, 250 people, you could have 10 designers, 10 graphic designers, and you know, seven copywriters. And those people aren't competing for business within that. They're not competing at all. In fact, oftentimes they're bringing each other in onto their projects because they specialize. Yes. Each one of them has their flavor, as you put it, their specialty that they work from and their skill set is varied. So, you know, I always talk to people who are concerned about, well, what about the competition? And, you know, why do we have to see each other as competition? We're not competition. We are different versions of similar business models. Just like inside our four walls, we're encouraging all of our members to collaborate the more we collaborate, the better. In this industry, it is the truth that the rising tides will lift all those boats, you know? And I think, you know, we talked about this a lot, but we haven't even tapped the market. We haven't even tapped 
of the market that's out there. So mm-hmm. if you're fearful of collaborating because you're worried that somehow the business is going to go away for you, what you really need to be thinking of is reaching that other 90% of the people that don't even know that you exist. Because those that's your real competition. It's just that people don't even know that you exist as a co-working space. So yes, I love that. Um, we have time for one more question. And I had okay. a couple more around along the alliance. Um, but I think I would love to uh, jump into a totally different topic and just ask if you have any reactions to the WeWork IPO. <laughs> Which oh, just God. happened this week. <laughs> Just for a well, little zinger right at the end. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I make money and they lose it in the billions. <laughs> like, what am I doing wrong here? I'm just trying to figure that out. And there seems to be some sketchy financial money stuff going on. Um, I mean, time will tell if it turns out like Enron. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just like, if people say, oh, you're like WeWork, I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm not. (laughs) I actually make money, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love that you brought that up. I feel like, you know, people will often say, because they'll ask me what I do, and I'm like, well, I'm a consultant in this thing called co-working, and then they're like, oh, you mean like WeWork? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> but now you can say, oh, I make money, and they don't. Nothing like WeWork, actually. <laughs> yes, I love that. Awesome. Well, so my very, very last question is, what's next for you, Catherine? Well, I think I mentioned that I've had a few times where people have, uh, it's been tempting to expand to a second location um, here in the metro area, but it's never been a hell yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So so no. Um, Right when I ask why, you know, why would I do that? Um, Honestly, um, I've been publishing guided meditations um, mm-hmm. for survivors of narcissistic abuse since December of last year. And um, that's been very fulfilling. And I'm working on a book. Um, it's spiritually based. It's a book that I started 13 years ago and I put aside for 12. So I'm coming back to it now, finally, after all these years. And I think that's the, those things come from the part of me that want to give to my fellow man. Mm-hmm. And that's why I do co-working too, because I, I like giving a piece of my positive go team energy whether it be through the meditations or through a book or through my co-working space, it doesn't really matter. So for now, I would say they're fairly humble. What's next or not? I don't know. It depends on your point of view, (laughs) but for now that's, that's where I'm focused. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's wonderful. And if people want to get in touch with you to find out about any of these myriad things or just get some advice on running their co-working space, how can they do that? Um, well, you can 
email me at hello at alkaloid.net because they all come to me anyways. Okay. Um, or you can go to my LinkedIn pay, uh, profile, which has all of the things on it too. So either one, it works just fine. I'm always happy to talk to anybody and help them in whatever way that I can. Wonderful. Well, Catherine, it was really a pleasure to talk with you today. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a pleasure to get to see your smiling face, Iris. <laughs> awesome. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I will. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening today. If you want to get in touch, reach out to me at iris at iriscavanaugh.com. And if you like this episode, please let me know. And don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes so others can find it too.